When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miraculous. Man, this is nuts. I had the uh, the open going on in my head. I was like, three, two, one, buzzer's about to sound. Here we go. Literally, uh, the uh, perfect circle bet is firing up. I walk in. Don't worry, I prepped on the way. Uh, it's uh, good to be here. Craig, how are you, man? I, well, I'm okay. I mean, I'm not Nebraska Sportscaster <laughs> of the Year okay. I don't, don't know what that st- would Don't feel start like. that, dude. Thank you. I don't know what that would feel like. Congratulations, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. I, I don't know how much that's been discussed during the week or how much listeners would be aware of this. Uh, but not- you are currently listening to not the Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year, me. And then the sportscaster of the year, Chris, a very well-deserved honor. I mean, it's proof that bribes and hard work pay off. <laughs> oh, yes. And um, oh, good job, man. That's that's awesome. That is just fantastic. And we are going to like kind of awkwardly weave that in probably until the until you give up that mantle. <laughs> in a year <laughs> if you don't mind you do what you want to do but you and i uh we are dear friends uh and we have started this together as far as just the the, the love of sports and radio all the way back to a cold and icy night in january at the turn of 19 what was it 1998 in college, Probably. down at Avery Hall, that used to be, you know, just a an option pitch away from South End Zone, uh, and uh, now the UNL's uh, KRNU setups at the old Woodman Insurance Building, uh, closer to our friends at the bar, the bar. Uh, but long and yeah, short, I found it interesting. By the way, they had us in Avery Hall. Yeah. And yeah. Avery Hall was where the Kim Lab was. <laughs> yeah. And so it was just sort of like, yeah, if there's an explosion, it's fine. It's just the just, broadcast. It just <laughs> whacks the radio a-holes. <laughs> no, I, I love you, man. And we've been partners for a long time, and it's just fun. And this is cool. I'm, I'm like, still blown away. Like, wow. But it, sharing it with people that have been with me for a long time and uh, very humbled and honored and, and quite honestly just uh, hearing my mom's reactions been incredible you know mom and my brother and we think about my dad a lot with this because he's the he's the dude man he dropped me off first game i ever did was uh, nebraska colorado in uh, 2000 when i was a student broadcaster and 
It's like, make sure they win and cover, you know. Thanks, Dad. You know, 7 a.m. kickoffs at 11. And Cousin Dino also, uh, thinking about him and my grandfather. So I know they're smiling down, brother, but love the uh, the time we get to spend all the time. And, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun week, and it's been a really, really fun uh, experience getting uh, feedback and, and congratulations. And I'm, I, I hate this as far as d- what do you do. I'm uncomfortable with the the response but i'm very thankful for it if that makes sense well you know knowing that you're uncomfortable with it we'll be sure to mention it as often as possible <laughs> um you know as as we go throughout the year until you are no longer <laughs> actually we should start a campaign to help you like maintain the title you know i don't know and i know that that's I don't know, good job man that was that was really cool to hear and very well deserved, man. Very Appreciate well deserved. I, there's, there's nobody that works harder in the industry. Well, and by the way, you have talent and skill for it too. Mm-hmm. So I don't want it to seem like, well, he's, you know, he's like a coach on the field type. Like you know, right? It's, it's he's the last. Work hard he's, he's the last male so in a in a in a all female bar, and someone's got to go home with him, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's not just a a recognition <laughs> of hard work, right? At all. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, man. No, like, I don't, I don't even know if other people know. I mean, you do a morning show. Yeah. And then you do yep. an afternoon show. And yep. then you do the Saturday show. And then you do the games and all kinds of other stuff. So, like, it's pretty much like you 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 wake up, you do broadcasting, you take a little nap, you do broadcasting, you, you do a little uh, being a dad and being a husband, and then mm-hmm. you you go to bed, and then you do broadcasting, and then you do, you know, it's a lot. Um, good work, man. Appreciate awesome. you, Krenak. You're awesome. So uh, transitioning here, a lot to get into. Big recruiting weekend for Nebraska, obviously junior day uh, session for Husker football. But Cranach, I want to I want to go up to your neck of the woods, man. And this is something that's been fascinating me, and I know Elijah's looked at it, uh, being a former like all city guy with Southeast, and you know Elijah had a good, really good high school football career really talented player on that one, you know, the Southeast offensive lines. And what's your, what's the latest and what's the feel here, you know, 48 hours later with this whole Gretna NSAA? Cause that's, we can get into Husker football and we'll talk with Vogel and Sharpie and Searles will get into some offensive line stuff on the off and on the rewind coming up. But Man, what what's your read on all of this? Uh, just to reset it, you have Gretna won the state Class A football championship seven to three in a defensive slugfest uh, against Westside. Uh, as we fast forward to uh, an NSAA closed board meeting Thursday, there was a unanimous vote to uh, vacate the trophy for Gretna because of use of an an ineligible player. I talked to some folks and to their knowledge, you use of an ineligible player deems academic ineligibility or age being a problem. This was a player who from a technicality standpoint, what didn't have the right paperwork to be in Gretna because one address said he lived in Papio. Is that right? And then, we fast forward and it costs Gretna's school a chance to keep that trophy. Yeah, it's man, it's, it's sad and on some levels, but if I'm, 
if I'm a player on that team anyways, I, I know the deal. I know who won, <laughs> right? Like, you, you know, and it's and it's a shame you don't have that trophy, but they still had that moment. They still had that night. They still had that scoreboard. And they know it wasn't because of one ineligible player that's 16 years old, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, you feel bad for the kids to a degree, but, I mean, I don't think they're crying about it, right? They know they know the score. Mm-hmm. There's there's some weird. It's, it's similar to like, did Reggie Bush have to give back his Heisman? Or, you know, yeah, on. that that has I, happened. <laughs> I, I, right. It's it's just like, but he was the best player in college football that year. Like regardless of, he was the highest paid college football player that year. <laughs> well, and look at it now, right? Yeah. He was a victim of. He was ahead of his time. Ahead of his if you time. Think about it. Um, <laughs> That's why it's another way it, to look at it. <laughs> but I mean, I'm serious though. It's just like okay. It, yeah, his mom got a house or something. I don't know what it was, but um, it, look, you know, Gretna is Gretna is one of the fastest growing communities. Period. And it's I a know good spot. My fr- brother, my I don't brother's know up that there. This is exactly yeah. what happened, but um, there is a there is a lot of pressure on the school system as a whole in Gretna just because of its explosive growth. Like in terms of land area, Gretna is huge. And it's it's going to just keep growing. There is so much space to build as the metro just kind of expands, right? Because the metro is locked with the river. You can't go east, so everything goes west. And Gretna has 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 seen that, and farms are getting sold, and so that. I guess what what I'm getting at though is they're they're building a second high school. They've just had to build another middle school. They're just like the growth is crazy. So so I could see them. Um, maybe slip in a little bit on on some technicalities here and there because they're trying to keep up with the growth. Mm-hmm. It's explosive. Um, so I think that's probably part of it. And then two, I look as far as who reported them or why, and I don't know. I I, I guess on the whole, when you look at everything to worry about in the world, yeah, it just ranks so low <laughs> in the grand scheme. But of somebody went there, reported. A player being ineligible, and it proceeded to be a, vaca- a vacating of a title, and that's that's the point of it. Is okay. This and there's some accusations out there, right? Well, the Gretna official statement. Yeah, I know. Last they, night they blamed Westside. Mm-hmm. It's like from a neutral point of view. I, I think it's terrible for Gretna from a neutral point of view. Like I'm getting the popcorn that Westside came out of like ahead of the Gretna statement was like, oh no, this wasn't us. We didn't report this. And then Gretna came out with their official statement last night and said Westside uh, came out and tried to accuse us of not using an eligible player, and we don't think it was true because every single person who is in Gretna's school district is required to be living within Gretna to be able to attend our school. So this is nothing malicious on our part. We, we don't even know what happened. We, we, this, we, they were, Gretna sounds like they were completely blindsided. I feel awful for the kid and family because mm-hmm. the, the kids... You know, he transferred. Mom and dad were not together, and dad's just, you know, got a place in Gretna, and and, and his son's going to to play ball there. And it sounds like the kid was set up to be within that ninety that that ninety day window. The only problem being, you know, May first. I think what Cranex the deadline for the paperwork to be filed from a right, domicile standpoint. Are you in the yeah, district or not? May 1st or not? is the date. Is, yeah. If you're good by May 1st, you're good. Right. 
and it didn't sound like that was the situation. And you know, if if mom and dad are are not together after May first, um, then then you know, <laughs> that was the issue. And this seems really really petty to revoke somebody's championship. In in uh, yeah. in in the in the in the essence of how much recruiting and who's really living in the air quote districts school district in in twenty twenty two period. I mean, they're, they're, it's gone on for years. Cranach, you probably played baseball when you were at, at at Bell West against some guys that that probably didn't go to prep or I mean, I know prep's private, bad example, but. You know what I'm saying? Some of your rivals probably had uh, uh, some guys that that found their way into school that didn't live by the school. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it, it, it's just part of it. I mean, it goes all the way back to fast times at Ridgemont High, right? Yeah, Jefferson, the linebacker, they just time. flew him in for the big games. I kid. Yeah, no, it's I been kid. going on for a long time. I, I I played on a baseball team with a kid that lived in Plattsmouth, you know, and somehow there's <laughs> that a is in Bellevue West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to go in. I, I know the volleyball team that won a bunch of state titles. They also had kids that didn't live in the district. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I found it interesting too. Eric Barons, the Omaha Central yes. basketball coach, who is going to be the athletic director at uh, the new Omaha Westview High School, mm-hmm. um, in an interview this week, you can ask Gary about it. it, it will. <laughs> on Gary's show, he was talking about it, and they're they're just like, hey, what do you think? You know, your, um, what what do you think? You know, your experience as a coach, how is it going to lend itself to being an athletic director? Something along those lines. And and I, I don't know if it was a Freudian slip or what, but Barron's like, well, you know, I've been there. You know, I've 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 coached. I've, I've um, I understand Recruited. how it goes with <laughs> recruiting, with blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he just he just literally said with recruiting. <laughs> oh, don't I mean, kid it yourself. Happens. Like, you know, high school, high school teams and coaches and it, they recruit. And 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 it's a transient culture, and people are moving left and right, and they're trying to get the best situation for their kids to be able to play. Um, it's yeah, there's a whole lot in there. It, this thing will keep developing too, because you saw Mike Lucas, the the superintendent for Westside, he came out in response to all this, saying, "I want to be really clear that I did not at all report Gretna, and that was not anything that I was associated with." Mm-hmm. Um, so that part's really interesting. I, yeah, I'm going to make a few calls. I'm going to make a few calls. We're going to get to the bottom of this at some point. Uh, because it's, uh, it's developing. I think you're going to continue to hear more about it. Well, look at what Mike Lucas said, by the way. And this is, this is what I appreciate about it. Um, he's like, some posts are saying my name was used as a complainant in the hearing. And that is completely false. Gretna beat us. We've had plenty of other things to worry about since then. Yep, that was the original post by him, and then there's assertions and a statement by Gretna on social media. The statement was put out that they're kind of pointing the finger at Westside, right? And at this point, I just don't understand what the high school rules are because it feels like there's there's standards that are different everywhere you go where – um, I know people in Lincoln that would transfer halfway through the year to go to a different high school and they'd be competing at state by the end of the season after they transferred. It, it doesn't make any sense to me that from I mean, there's from kids, my understanding, go for Elijah, it. you have to have 90 days 
90 days in your current like district in your current school and then have that done by May 1st in order to be able to compete the following season in order to compete in the fall. So it's a, it's basically a 90 day window where you have to, um, you can't just transfer in and play right away, transfer in 90 days. You're ineligible. Then you're eligible. That's, that's how I understand it. And the districts, the school districts all have different rules as it relates to, being an eligible player, but the NSAA has a blanket one that just applies to everybody. Right. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's a governing board. Yeah. Right. And, 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 it's, and, and theirs is black and white cut and dry. So when the rumors were first starting about this thing, it was pretty much like, well, that's yeah, it's black and white and they're just going to have to vacate. And that's all there is to it because the, the, the NSA doesn't play around with stuff like that. Um, so it could be a case too, where in Gretna's eyes, they did everything right, but there could have been maybe some misstep as it relates to the actual NSAA rule, which even though there was a vote, it, it's really procedural at that point. It's just, you know, it's it's black and white. OK, what was he in this district for 90 days before he competed? No. OK, well, violates the rules, vacate, period. So it, it didn't it didn't lead to a lot of debate on the NSAA side. It just it just feels heavy handed and wrong, really, for Gretna. It, it feels like Gretna was stripped of something that I mean, a lot of those kids that have uh, been going to Gretna have been working for for four years, and I, I can't get behind it because oh, one kid was supposed to be playing for Papillion when he's now playing for Gretna. It just everything about this just seems wrong to me. Well, let's yeah. dive into few the more high school topic, but in this instance, Cranach and we'll spend more time with it uh, in hour two but uh mickey joseph on our mind with what he's been doing on the recruiting trail we know his instant and immediate impact with uh some of the kids that have transferred and uh gone portaling but now from a high school standpoint uh you have mickey that's he he's really kind of taken extra extra reign so to speak with his presence yeah, in Lincoln with a couple of uh, 2023 kids, uh, Malachi Coleman uh, and Nagoy, two two really talented kids in, in the Lincoln area. And then Mickey making sure that he's been by Burke, that he's been by Omaha North, but that he's been by um, Bell West. I mean, he's uh, he's really focusing here on the two metro regions in the eastern part of the state. And that's a, that's a part of Nebraska's recruiting that needs – a big time uptick with all the the talent that's been leaving the region, and and Cranack, that's going to be a a big thing for Nebraska. It feels like there's there's more of a fighting chance, and I never thought I'd utter those words uh, when it comes to Nebraska football recruiting in their own state. It's yeah, and it's been it's been a tough nut for for Nebraska to crack, and I think they've had some missteps, and part of it I think is. You know, Trev alluded to it a little bit, um, you know, the entitlement word. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not entitled to anything. It's something he said in a different context a few months ago. And I can't help but think that there's been some of that going on in state where, you know, especially any of the legacy players mm-hmm. that have played for Nebraska, they had such a love for Nebraska and they really never considered going anywhere else that they kind of took that mentality forward as coaches even to some degree where it's like of course they want to come to Nebraska right 
Um, and maybe you do recruit them somewhat hard, but I think there's also this underlying, of course we're going to get them. We're Nebraska. We're the biggest show in town. It, Mickey doesn't operate like that. No. Right. Like at all. Um, and that's probably part of why people haven't come. But I think the other part is just the, the losing mm. and the negativity and kids talk, you know, and it's frustrating and, you, you know, and then schools like Oregon and schools out of state just feel more appealing, whether it be their conference affiliation or just their track record of success to where you cannot take kids for granted in the Omaha area or Lincoln for that matter. Um, and it needed a reboot. And I don't think it's as much of an indictment on Barrett Rude because Barrett Rude was the guy that was responsible mm-hmm. for Omaha and Lincoln high school recruiting. And I'm, he'll still be involved. Um, but you know, bottom line is they, they weren't pulling a lot of those kids in and that, that, that goes deep. You, you got to have good relationships with the high school coaches. You got to have good relationships with their trainers. Um, cause there's a lot of kind of higher end training facilities out there. You got to connect with the kids. You got to convince them that there's a, a spot for them and why. And then you also have to look too at some of the kids that did come in that you did land from the Metro Look at Jalen Bradley. Um, you know, there's a handful of kids that came in and didn't work out for them. Like, try to think about this. How, how many Metro kids in recent years have truly impacted the team in a big way? Being multi-year starters, being big-time contributors that are kind of the model. It's a far cry, my friend, from what it used to be. And you look at... You know, yesterday was, I think it was Fultz's birthday. You, I mean, you got to go back to 2012 for, uh, for a, a run of, uh, of in-state, like, impact guys when you look at Fultz and Brandon Riley, right? Just a couple of examples that come to my mind, right? Spencer Long, and, and, and I'm, I'm just rattling off Nebraska guys out loud. You go back to the championship years. I think Babbers was telling us this week. Or Dolman. Those are all walk-ons that you just mentioned. No, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, Janovich. I know, but I'm saying those are just those are walk-ons, and I'm not, I'm not getting into the scholarship part. You, you go back to the scholarship side of things. You look at uh, the last national championship Nebraska had. Nine of the eleven starters on offense, walk-on and scholarship, were from Nebraska. Okay, yeah. uh, but but every year during the TO years and uh, the emphasis with Solich, right? And then we know there was a, a, a verge off the interstate, so to speak, with in-state recruiting. Um, it, the kids were, were prioritized. And Bo kind of was hit or miss on that, you know, yep. with the in-state. But it, but it was still – he still did take some Nebraska kids, right? So uh, it was Riley, so it was Callahan. Yep. Right. And, and, and now we're where we're at. And, no, it's, it's, it's a reality where – there's no border anymore. There's huddle film on everybody. And P.J. Fleck knows about Malachi Coleman. Jim Harbaugh knows about Malachi Coleman. Uh, Wisconsin, Iowa. Iowa's done incredible at getting small-town or big-town Nebraska kids that have have thrived and done well. And, and I, those kids, you know what they have in common, Chris? Those kids were not necessarily treated as priorities by Nebraska. Maybe late offers came in 
Um, the the token offer got- versus versus a brother. We want you. We don't care that you're a Nebraska. We 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 care so much that you're a Nebraska kid. We are making you a priority. We're emphasizing you. Right. Goes back to Noah Fant. I mean, look at how that was botched. Oh, look. well, and, and there are there are more examples of Metro kids succeeding elsewhere yes, and making it to recent, the NFL recently. Yeah. Then there are here. You you have to go back to what? Niles Paul and Alex Henry. As Metro scholarship kids that have had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Whereas now look at Harrison Phillips. Oh, yeah. Harrison's killing it. And he went to Stanford and played as a freshman. Yep, and he was he was. Now, you rewind back to that that era. That was, you know, coming. That was closely off the heels of of Sue. It was and Malik Collins, but it was Carl, wasn't it? The, the Carl Pelini. Uh, yeah, it might be where where they were just kind of they kind of looked at Harrison Phillips as ah he doesn't have quite have the size and that's not going to work out and they were worried about where they were going to play him. Yeah, and then they come in with a laid off. It's just like. And I, this is also related to how Burrow was treated. Oh, it's yeah. just like yeah, yeah. when you have an in-state player who is high major division or power five division one caliber, do not overthink it. Give them a spot. Yeah. Period. You don't got to like, play them, but you got to get them. But period. Like they are. Do not overthink. If Harrison Phillips hand size is a quarter inch too small. Get over it. You're going to be okay. <laughs> He's killing it for the Bills today. You know? yeah, right. Well, and that's that's what's so intriguing about as we we bring it to here and now. That's what's so intriguing about Harburg. I mean, remember the whole situation with Nebraska. You know, because Nebraska was way down the list when it came to finally offering Harburg, right? Compared to the other yeah. Power Five offers. I mean, Boston College and whoever else was in there. And you're like, man, this kid's in state. He's down the road, he's big, he's talented, smart kid, physical. You got to get him. You can't lose a, a Carney Catholic dude to, to Boston College or Washington or, I mean, or, or, you know, I mean, no, can't happen. That'd be the final straw because you got half of Omaha going to Oregon, it feels like, anyway. Well, and listen, the, the context for it, too, one, a big reason why it's so important is to lock up these in state kids is because the level of attrition that Nebraska experiences with out-of-state kids. Mm-hmm. So in some of these cases, Nebraska may have passed on bringing in a guy because it's like, oh, no, we got this defensive back from Florida coming in or this wide receiver from California. or what? Those guys don't stay. <laughs> you know, they just don't. And that's, a, that's a whole other problem in some ways. But, like, that's a huge issue. Where it's like you are better off if, if there's a kid that's maybe slightly better out of Texas, mm-hmm. slightly, than a kid you have in the Metro, you default to the Metro kid. Because he's home, Just, he's home. Yeah, yeah, right. Because his likelihood of sticking around is much higher. It does you no good to pass on the Metro kid to bring in the Florida kid when the Florida kid just takes off in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So then what happened? You're right. out. And, you're out of player. Even, I think even <laughs> to the point of Caden Helms and yeah, um, got the other kid. I'm I'm forgetting his name right now. The other tight end from Bellevue West. Uh, they they had two this year. Two uh, Division Duck, One. Ducker Riley. Yeah, yeah. Right. Thank you. One of them's going to Oklahoma. The other one's going to Auburn. Mm-hmm. And 
one of the things you heard was, well, Nebraska's so stocked at tight end, you, you just don't really have a spot for him. It's like, so you're just counting on the fact that whatever tight ends you have stocked there are just going to stick around for four or five years? You can't think like that. And and I think Nebraska has changed their tune there, as you're seeing at quarterback right now, mm-hmm. where they're they're not assuming that just because they have a handful of quarterbacks on scholarship that those are the best ones and those are the guys that are going to stick around. So current state, you got six quarterbacks. Just bring them in. And six of- quarterbacks is way too many. Everybody knows that. But a couple of them are going to fall off. That's just. I mean, that's the modern day. That's football now. You're just hedging. So I, I don't care if you're already stocked at tight end. I don't care if you already have Thomas Fedoni and James Carney and then the kid from prep. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean all those guys are going to work out. You know? You're like, oh, we're, we're already full at tight end. No. If you have an Auburn and an Oklahoma quality tight end in the Metro, you do everything possible to lock those guys up and bring them into the fold and then let the competition sort out who are the ones that are going to stay. I mean, if only there was a there was a quarterback in state that threw for seventy touchdowns in his career and less than five interceptions. That that'd be really convenient. Just bringing a guy like that. Yeah, we're we're big Noah Walters guys here, Cranek. <laughs> we're we're pissed out of our mind that that nobody's le- just snatched him up yet. Uh, it's yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Kid's um, awesome, awesome ball player. Yeah. Well, uh, right. It's just it's just like what what can be hurt by bringing in the in-state Power 5 talent. There's just very little downside to it. I don't care what your numbers are because your numbers are so fluid anyway. It's roster management. It's 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 gain and lose on a daily basis because of this no, portal. Completely. So, well, completely. I, but I think you're going to start to see a turnaround. Mickey's the right person for the job. Yep. And you've heard what he's already said to Malachi Coleman and Lincoln. Yeah. First thing out of his mouth, according to Malachi – was I'm not letting anybody beat me out for you. Yep, and that's the mentality. <laughs> you know? That's the mentality matched with the work ethic that you got to have in state. <clears throat> we'll uh, step away. Rewind is coming up. Weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Jeremiah Searles. We'll dive into the offensive line thoughts. Some NFL playoff uh, updates this weekend as the Bills and Chiefs get rolling tomorrow. Of course, ESPN Lincoln will have your playoff doubleheader today. Uh, Cincinnati, Burrow, Zach Taylor uh, get rolling at 3.30. Green Bay, San Fran tonight. Of course, the Chiefs tomorrow night. And uh, we'll have uh, plenty of coverage for you with uh, Tampa and L.A. Uh, to get you going Sunday afternoon. Searles on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We welcome in our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles, joining us at Searles71 underscore HSKR. He is going to be jumping on tables maybe this weekend. I, I don't know. Searles, is that part of the uh, the plan? Is that part of the weekend festivities for you with your bills uh, going to Arrowhead? Man, I wish it was. Uh, if I wasn't going to be in L.A. for the NFL PA Bowl, I would 100% be in Kansas City going through tables supporting Bill's Mafia. But I will be on a plane to L.A. on Sunday. Well, at least it'll be, you know, five degrees plus 1,000 compared to here. But I know you're a cold-weather guy. Before we dive into to the NFL slate this weekend, brother, get us caught up. You've been, uh, you and Johnny Cash been everywhere, man. Been traveling. 
Yeah, man. So, uh, again, I was just got certified as an NFL agent this year, so I'm running the gauntlet of senior games. I was in Dallas and Orlando uh, two, uh, last week for the CGS game and the Hula Bowl, and then I was just up in Minnesota because I have uh, four of my guys training up there. And then, again, I leave Sunday here for the NFLPA Bowl. I'll be there till Thursday. And then I fly out to Vegas for the Shrine Bowl where I'm there till Monday. And then I head home, and it's right back to the grind, man, getting guys ready to go for combine prep and pro days and helping guys try and get to the next level. That is awesome. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, our favorite sideline man and NFL vet and certified agent. So what is your words of wisdom? What are the words you tell kids uh, as they get ready for this next step? You lived it. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is it's really easy for kids in this process with the way that the college football era is right now to be focused on a lot of the wrong things. And by wrong things, I mean endorsements, off the field, NIL, all that happy horse crap that goes on in college. When you get to the NFL, just because you were the man at college, the NFL doesn't care about that anymore. Their whole sole purpose on all 32 teams is, can you help us win a championship? Can you play and contribute and help us win a championship? And if you can't check both those boxes, they don't care what your brand is. They don't care what your website is. Like, none of that crap matters. And so our big focus at our agency is helping guys understand this is still a football-first league. You get one shot at this thing, and to really put all your chips into the football side and the -the off-the-field stuff will come to you afterwards. But I think a lot of guys get it backwards with the agents that are in their ears. Is it difficult to to connect that message you are right you're absolutely right but it is a lot of it's about branding now and you you get uh, the gravy before you eat your vegetables so to speak yeah it's tough because again with the landscape of college football changing to where these kids are making money off of their brand and their social media presence in the college world like telling them like hey that's all great but like you need to shift your focus to this specific thing. Uh, it's a message that it gets across with a lot of guys really well, but with certain other guys, it just doesn't resonate. And that's kind of part of being the agent is finding the guys that fit well with your personality and understanding that there's guys out there that want to focus on that and they still can focus on that and still be successful in the NFL. I'm not saying just because you focus on that means you won't be, but so much of finding the right guys that fit with you and your personality is half the battle when it comes to recruiting guys. Cyrils, you probably saw that in the locker room with guys that were uber-talented and in some instances uh, played okay. They were good enough to be in the league, and they were good enough to stay in the league for a while. But, man, maybe the priorities got mixed up, so they, they didn't hit that mountaintop. They, didn't, they weren't as great as they could have been. Right, yeah, and that's the thing is, if you come into the league, you can survive your first year because everyone's drinking from a fire hose, right? You're a rookie trying to figure life out, and you can get by, but it's really that second, third, fourth year where you have to reinvent yourself and go back and self-scout and do so much on the football field that if you get to your after your rookie year, do you kind of think, I've made it, that's where you see guys just that don't have careers, right? Like I, My goal is I don't care if you're a first-round pick, PFA, sixth-round, whatever, well, I want to help you have a career in the NFL where we're talking second contract and that's where the money really starts to come. And so that's kind of where we focus on things. Uh, my partner's another former NFL player, Zach Zenner. He ran for a zillion yards against the Huskers when we played him here in, uh, I think it was 2012. 
Uh, he played five years in the league as a running back, too. So we got a really good group put together, and it's been really fun getting this thing off the ground. Cyril's going to switch gears, talk some Nebraska football. What's, uh, what's your expectation uh, for, for whoever is Nebraska's next quarterback? And we spent the first segment talking about Casey Thompson and could he be Nebraska's version of what Russell Wilson did for Wisconsin? I know it's a large ask with what Russell did that first year at Wisconsin, but Casey's a good ball player and has uh, a, a lot of upside here. We don't know that he'll win the job. A lot of us think that he's the favorite to win the job. But overall, as you look at Nebraska here, what's your ask out of the quarterback spot? Yeah, you know, I think it's really easy for a lot of people. Like, well, he's just another Adrian Martinez, right? And I think that's kind of what I've been hearing. But I think a lot that we have to remember is he's got a new OC. He's got a new receivers coach here that everyone's new. And so everyone's building this thing from the ground up. And so I think it's really safe to expect good things out of Casey Thompson based off of what I saw against him last year. I know he didn't have the record, but, man, he can sling it. He can run a little bit. He's mobile, which I think is really important in the Scott Frost Whipple offense, right? I think that that's still going to be a big part of it. And so I expect him to come out and have big expectations and big things, right? You don't transfer from a school like Texas to go sit the bench somewhere. You transfer to go somewhere and contribute. And I think he saw the writing on the wall here of what this place could be, the opportunity. He bet on himself a little bit. And so I expect big things in the spring out of him. And I, do, I expect big things out of Purdy, too. You know, I, I think those two guys will push each other. I think they'll compete really well. And those continue to grow that quarterback room where there's some young guys in there. You got Carlos Torres coming in as a freshman. Like it's a crowded room, right? But that's all right. Don't shy away from competition. If you do, great. See ya. Like if you want to stay here and compete, you got some really good competition going in that room right now. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, obviously the additions at quarterback and wide receiver and running back are going to get all the headlines. Uh, but this offense can really only go as far as the offensive line takes them. And I just want to get your take on how big of a jump you think this offensive line can take in only one offseason. You know, that's the part that I struggle with. You know, you, you want them to think that they're going to take these leaps and bounds, but you got to replace some pieces too, right? You lose Cam Jurgens, your three-year starting center, and then you have to kind of, okay, what's next at center position, right? In my opinion, I think you need to move Turner Corcoran to center, which I've heard rumblings about, because you know you have Teddy Prohaska coming back at left tackle. But the big question marks for me are right guard and right tackle. I think Henry Latovsky is a guy that I keep hearing great things, and he's a young player, but his tremendous upside but you look at the right tackle position, and Bryce Benhart didn't have a great year last year. That's not saying he can't turn it around and have a great year this year, but that's a glaring question mark, in my opinion, of, hey, who replaces or who is the starting right tackle? I think there'll be some good competition there. I think Brock Bando will get a couple looks. The transfer from Okie State might get a shot out there, too. You know, I think they're going to rotate some guys in there because that, that was a piece that really hampered some stuff for us this year that we need to get fixed. Searles, to the NFL we go, and... Let's go to your Bills. They beat Kansas City once. What makes you feel like they can 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 be different in the postseason? Allen's playing great. Give folks a little insight to Joshy and this Bills squad. I know you're 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 still connected with guys up there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are as good, if not a little bit better, than they were last year. But I think the Bills are much better than they were last year, and a lot of that has to do with. I mean, Josh Allen's maturity level and his play has just increased throughout the weeks, right, throughout the years. And I think that Buffalo's going to be a really motivated squad going in there. But Josh is such a great leader. He's kind of a goofy dude. I mean, you heard Jordan Poyer when he was mic'd up. Like, he's goofy as hell, which is kind of true. Uh, he's a goofy guy, but, I mean, your his teammates just love the guy. 
I mean, because he'll put his body on the line, and he's the ultimate competitor. He's everything you want in a young quarterback in this NFL. Uber talented, all the charisma off the field, and he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL for a long time. Tell me what goofy means to you. We know what the, the definition is, but when you say, all right, Cyril says goofy in a good way, give me an example, or or uh, how does that kind of endear him to his guys? The toughness, yes, but personality is so important. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a little kid, like, funny-wise, <laughs> right? He likes little practical jokes, and he likes messing with you, and just little funny things where you're like, dude, this is a billion-dollar organization that handed you the keys of the car at 23 and said, don't wreck it, and you're doing great stuff. Like, you have to kind of remember, still, he's like 24 years old, right? Like, he's going to be able to drink for like three years. Like, he's still just kind of that goofy, funny kid that he loves to joke around, but that's kind of what makes him so great, too, is like nothing really rattles him, right? Like, he always kind of has that here we go, roll with the punches, the ebbs and flows of a game, of a season, like, He's kind of steady Eddie and that his personality is just like that, right? It's not forced. And so that's just kind of, he's just a funny, goofy, like a guy you'd love to just go hang out with off the field too, but then he can turn the switch and become the ultimate competitor at the same time. And that's what I think is what makes him really, really good. Well, well, Soros, I think if you can take half of the internet making fun of your mustache before the season starts, I think you can take anything during the season, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he, he owns that stuff, right? Like, he does it, and Josh Allen looks great in shorts, right? He hikes his shorts up for the pictures type of stuff. And he does the, the bar stool piece of it, and he's also professional. He's back, like, he's got, he wears many hats, but that's okay when you go out there and perform, which he's been able to do week in and week out, and now for pretty much two years really consistently. Any practical jokes pulled on you? No, the, the one funny Allen story I have is, so him and Sam Darnold were rookies together, right? Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold with the Jets. He, for Christmas time, if you recall, Sam Darnold got all of his offensive linemen grill tools at that year's 2018. And I don't mean like a grill. I mean like spatula and tongs, right? Big no-no. Terrible gift. And so the offensive linemen for the Jets actually put Sam Darnold's car on blocks as like a joke, as in like, ha-ha, not funny, get us a better gift. Well, Josh came up to me. He was a rookie. And he was like, hey, Cyril, come here. I was like, what's up, dude? He's like, hey, I got you guys all iPads. Like, is that a good enough gift? Or, like, you guys can put my car on blocks. So I was like, that's a good gift, Josh. You'll be okay. Like, he was kind <laughs> of worried. He just, he, just bought a new, he just bought a new Range Rover, and he was scared we were going to put his range up on blocks. So it was, it was pretty funny. But, like, he's just a great kid. Cincinnati, Tennessee. Can Cincy keep the magic going? Can Zach Taylor uh, continue to, to, to force that statue to be built? I hope so, man. Joe Burrow is really fun to watch. Oh, Jamar yeah. Chase, like that's another young guy that's just going to be full of studs, right? But the thing for me is the X factor is like, is Derrick Henry back in midseason form or is he still a little rusty? Because if that dude comes back some fresh legs in the playoffs, like look out any opposing defense that's beat up. And he's just kind of one of those physical phenoms that you're like, oh, he might just be fine because he's just a freak. So, I mean, that, that's going to be a great game to watch. But I really love watching Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and those guys throw the ball around they're fun, and that back shoulder is just undefeated. I mean, they're so good, no. and it's like telepathic. Yeah, I mean, and you're like, okay, we got to watch Jamar Chase. Like, yeah, well, don't forget about T. Higgins over here. Like, he's pretty dang good, too. And then Uzma, that tight end's had a breakout. You're like, the weapons on that team have been good for so many years, but it's kind of like everything came together this year perfectly for them at the right time. Searles, our dear friend Brandon Vogel did an incredible piece in the latest Hale Varsity magazine, and he went through all the, the, the Big Ten games and, and kind of rated them on 
an entertainment scale, right? And we get into some of the series uh, of of opponents. Was there a a team during your time at Nebraska games against X, say Michigan State or Iowa or Northwestern, or what 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 opponent was kind of the most memorable series in your career? You know, for me, the most memorable for me, it was kind of weird, right? I did two years in the Big 12, three years in the Big 10. So yeah. we kind of realized when we were still that stupid legend leaders thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was, it was always Wisconsin. Okay. And I mean, because it was, for me, it was like, we go to Wisconsin, first Big 10 game ever, everyone's juice game day, we just get blown out, right? And then the next year, they come to us. I think they came to us, and, and we won at home with, with, like, Joel Stavi. And then we get blown out against them in the conference championship. Like, it just was always felt like they were the rival for me when I was in school. Okay. And, yeah, and, and you had that Nebraska-Wisconsin tie, and you uh, – they, they just – and they've had Nebraska's number, man. Maybe they'll – Right. Maybe Nebraska will, will flip it around eventually. Well, I think a lot of it too is like everyone was like, "Well, Nebraska out Nebraska, or Wisconsin out Nebraska, Nebraska, mm-hmm. right?" And that always kind of like stuck in me. Like I didn't like that, like because they're like, "Oh, they're more physical." They're like all that stuff, and like that that stuck in my craw. Like I hated that. So I always had a little bit more juice to go against those guys too. Well, I I, I bet uh, we were talking, and I think the Michigan State series man has always been kind of crazy and then just weird with northwestern northwestern games have always been just weird with between the hail mary and then the upset and even 2018 with you're up by 10 with three minutes left and then you lose in overtime and so searles i want you to have safe travels give the best to to your family and uh, keep grinding brother thanks for a few minutes today Hey, absolutely. Great catching up with you guys as always. Go Big Red. There he is. Jeremiah Searles with us, our favorite sideline man and agent. And, of course, uh, Searles, a longtime NFL vet uh, member, uh, proud dude uh, with the Bills Mafia, former Buffalo Bill, former Charger, and former Minnesota Viking. We'll dive into some quarterback thoughts with Gary Barnett. Speaking of quarterbacks, do you want to see the hear the crazy stat I heard about Tom Brady yesterday? If he were to win out, this uh, postseason, if he were to win the next three games, win the Super Bowl, he himself would have more playoff wins than every other franchise in the NFL. He's there. He already leads several teams. He, he only like three teams are ahead of him, and all of them are out of the playoffs except for the Packers, who lead him by one total franchise playoff wins, lead him by one. So if he wins out, he will overtake the Packers. Well, that's that's the the showdown, isn't it? I mean, if, if both teams do their job, you get two point oh of that. Uh, again in Lambeau. Uh, good stuff from Searles. Gary Barnett next. It's Hale Varsity Radio. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. That foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2 Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and we welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Brandon Vogel, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues has an incredible feature in the latest Hale Varsity magazine as he goes through all the 
Big Ten games and ranks them, not just is it a win or is it a heart-tugging loss, but man, there's the entertainment factor in there. We'll let, we'll let Vogue's explain that here in a little bit. It's been a busy week when it comes to, to salary disclosure for Nebraska. We know that Chins gets a bump. We know that Applewhite's making three uh, and a quarter. Good for him. And uh, yes, there was uh, an official Chuba or Chuba announcement uh, to start the week off. Vogue, thanks for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. We are absolutely uh, happy that it's you know above freezing and there's no ice this morning. We're uh, we're we're doing okay. But I want to start off with with pretty and uh, just that that quarterback spot uh, as Nebraska goes two for two, Vogues. And uh, a weekend ago, we were talking about the the possibility of it because Purdy and his family were here visiting. Now you fast forward to today, he's part of the quarterback room. And and what do you like about him? And uh, let's talk about that 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 triangle of Frost, Whipple, and and Purdy here when it comes to projecting success. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's pretty impressive in I guess kind of today's college football that Nebraska was able to come out of this and uh, end up with two two options there. You know, for for quarterbacks in particular who enter the portal, I think you know a lot of times those guys are, are looking for a sure thing or as close to a sure thing as you can get, a place where you can go and feel like, okay, if I, if, if this is, if this is my destination, I'm probably, you know, the odds on leader to, to get this job, you know, or it's just it's part of the reason, you know, a lot of players end up in, in the portal. That's not the case here. And it's probably the most interesting piece of it. Cause you have Casey Thompson. He's a little bit more experienced, you know, with Purdy, you've got a little bit of, if this goes perfectly and to the ideal kind of specs, you've got a little bit of a succession plan here. That said, you know, I'll be surprised. Like it's, it's going to be different probably maybe as soon as post spring, it might take a little bit longer than that, but you look at this now and Nebraska really kind of set itself up uh, to have the most options uh, to have the most possible competition in the spring, and the depth piece of it looks pretty good, but you know, quarterback depth in, in today's college football is, is kind of like a, a skyscraper built on a fault line. You're you're just waiting for for <laughs> things to change. Um, so 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 we'll see. For now, a ton of credit to Nebraska, and you know, once we get to talk to uh, these two these two quarterbacks a little more at length, I think we'll get a better sense for exactly why each of them. Uh, ended up with the Huskers. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Chubba Purdy as a player, looking at his high school film, he doesn't have a ton of college film, obviously. He played a little bit at Florida State, but not much. I was pleasantly surprised, Brandon, and I'm curious on your opinion. He is much more dual threat than I guess I assumed with Mark Whipple coming in and the you know reputation of being a, a passing first type, but you're just kind of picturing maybe more of a statuesque type quarterback who's throw first, but Purdy is fast. He's physical. He is a really good runner. Um, As you've watched the film, did you come away with that same impression and certain element of, I guess, surprise at how dual threat he is? 
Yeah, a, a little bit because it seems like, you know, Nebraska under Whipple, you know, Casey Thompson made more sense uh, in, in that regard because that's kind of where Whipple has been. That said, we know that, that Whipple-Purdy relationship, you know, it was certainly instrumental in getting him to Nebraska, I think, but Whipple was interested in him in high school too. So, so one of the things that says to me is, you know, this is kind of – what you signed up for at you know $875,000 a year is the experience of Mark Whipple where it would be very easy with the number of years he has in the game to be like, well, this is what I do. This is what I believe in. Um, and, and these are the archetypes that, that I'm going to recruit to to run this offense that I've honed over decades and decades. Um, having somebody like Purdy in the mix and the fact that he was in the mix at Pitt kind of indicates to me you've got a veteran who is still updating and still constantly evaluating, which is what you have to do, of course. So that that was kind of the biggest takeaway for me. Purdy as a player looks pretty good. I mean, I went back and looked at it. Not all that different from from Logan Smothers, really. I don't know if, you know, Husker fans will like that comparison or not, but they're – Two four seven recruiting rankings were pretty similar. Uh, Purdy was a couple of points higher. They both essentially got about one real. Well, they've got one start each, but their experience is pretty much the same in terms of playing college football. So I'll be interested to see between those two um, how that goes. Folks, you surprised that the bump wasn't a little bit higher for Chenander. You get the token one year extension. And eight hundred thousand, eight hundred and fifty thousand is still really awesome in twenty twenty two, but you're you're still making less than a guy that just got brought in uh, in in Whipple, and this isn't to stir up any drama. I just wonder if you know put yourself in chin shoes. Yay, a fifty thousand dollar race is never anything to sneeze at, but in the context of of big coordinator money. Uh, is it uh, is it enough, or or is it a, a matter of chins going? Look, I'll get paid on the back end here if we have back to back really good years. Yeah, I think it's probably the the latter. I think this is one where you you see the the relationship between not just Shenander and Frost, but you know a lot of the coaches that are that are still here from uh, the staff that came over in, in 2018. You know. And in, in, in Shenander and Frost case specifically, these are two guys who have been together for, for quite a while. So I think, you know, this, this could be one of the deals where the performance of Nebraska's defense, really over uh, all four seasons, they've continually got better. Uh, and then this year, you know, we saw the defense real, realistically, like what the defense was responsible for, give up less than 20 points a game. Um, so based on that alone, you, you could probably justify getting to, you know, probably could justify getting to a million dollars. And I think this is one of those deals where, you know, because Frost and Shenander have this long-standing relationship, it's like, don't worry about me, man. Like if you can do something for me, great. And, uh, hopefully we'll get this thing turned around and, and we'll make it up later. Uh, that certainly seems like it to me from the outside. Brandon, also from the outside, it feels like Nebraska has made a deliberate change in philosophy about roster management as it relates to competition. I think since they've gotten here, they've talked they've talked about competition and how important that is. But if you just look at 
some of the different, especially at the skill positions, quarterback, running back, receiver in particular, defensive back even, it seems like their deliberate um, approach now is literally bring in as much as possible, feelings be damned, loyalty be damned, and let things sort itself out knowing that you're going to lose a third of those guys. Is that how you see it too? Yeah, to a degree. I I think the transfer portal in combination with kind of the reality of Nebraska recruiting, which, as you mentioned, a pretty high attrition rate, um, probably changes maybe what they came in with. So you you would love to have, you know, competition throughout the, you know, up and down the, the two deep, the three deep, but you're really looking for it to, to come from the bottom up, you know. So so you have a Cam Taylor Britt, for instance, who, who's got one of those corner spots locked down. Um, you know, you hope those guys that are battling for, for second-team snaps and then third-team snaps are able to kind of bubble up and, and really push that starter. I think in a transfer portal era, you've got a different one. And, and because Nebraska's attrition is so high, I think it's harder to count on that coming from lower on the depth chart. The approach now seems to be, at least at specific spots, is, okay, well, we may feel pretty good about where we're at at safety, even though we're learning two, losing two starters. But we're going to bring a slew of guys in in the defensive secondary. And we're going to challenge those guys who we might think are already at the top. So it might be a shift. I think I think it is unique to Nebraska somewhat because of the, the heavy attrition. But I think you'll see pieces of that really over overall at at most schools across the country, unless you're Alabama or Ohio State. And you know, even those they, they get the pick of the litter in terms of transfer portal. It becomes a little bit more of a plug and play game for for programs that really have it rolling. Everybody else, though, I think you kind of have to look at it this way of, yeah, we might like the quarterback who, who maybe wasn't a full-time starter but's been promising. Doesn't mean we're going to bring in somebody who, who's a demonstrated, you know, has starting experience or just really talented to kind of push that guy. So it's kind of inverting, I think, that traditional every coach has ever all has always said like we want competition for all these spots you might just have to kind of invert the model a little bit now brendan vogels with us hail varsity.com and magazine managing editor his book dream like a champion with john cook we've spent time on mickey joseph this week i want to go to bill bush uh bill bush in uh kansas this weekend uh, make it this week, uh, going after a couple of high-profile guys in uh, quarterback Avery Johnson and Dylan Edwards. There's also a bunch of linemen and some skilled guys in that Kansas and Missouri region. Vogues, I mean, shouldn't Nebraska live in Kansas and in Missouri? Remember back in the day where I know Turner Corcoran's a recent Kansas get, but Nebraska just went in and picked whoever the hell they wanted in Missouri and Iowa. And they ended up in the NFL. I like that Bush is back in the the two border states. Uh, That that makes me smile. Yeah, it does. And, you know, he he was on on Sports Nightly a couple weeks ago. And I I really liked his comments about recruiting, you know, essentially saying, like, you know, there's probably not a ton of coaches who, you know, are – if you're if you're even a position coach at, at a Nebraska or a Power Five level, you know you're 40, 50, 60 years old in some cases. Like, is, is 
constantly being glued to your phone and, and texting with players and DMing players is the thing you most want to do? No. But Bush is like, you have to. He's like, if you're not willing to do that, then you might as well get out at, at the college level at least. And, and he's somebody who, who's – recruiting prowess is pretty well documented at this point and Nebraska has put him right to work um, even before he was officially announced as a full-time hire when they just moved him into a, a recruiting role uh, as they kind of tried to figure things out he was one of their first guys out and he's a little bit of a closer for them so seeing him be local you know he's, he's a Nebraska guy um I think makes a ton of sense. And, and it makes a ton of sense broadly, too, because I was actually just going through and updating one of my re- recruiting spreadsheets and going back to something I wrote about this time last year. You know, the closer these players are to Nebraska, the less likely they are to leave. And it's just, it, it's, you know, I went all the way back to 2001's recruiting class, you know, so it's 20 years of that, and you can just show it. And, you know, Wyndon Hooley, he, he left, uh, just announced yesterday that he's entering the transfer portal. I specifically remember when he, they added him because Nebraska added him late, which is another factor for attrition. And he's from Hawaii. Uh, you know, he, he was the player in that 2021 class who, based on this, you know, weird formula that I came up with, had the highest attrition probability. And here he is. Uh, he, he indeed left. And, I mean, there's always mitigating factors. I think the two EOD piece of that was probably pretty big. Um, but it's, it's pretty demonstrated. The closer Nebraska can stay at home to recruit, the better chance it has to hang on to more of its players. Vogues, I need this uh, this attrition formula uh, by Brandon Vogel. And can't you hear Jack Pierce, old Jackson's voice at, in our minds saying, damn it, Vogues, Schmitty, <laughs> further away we go. It's harder to keep him here. I mean, can't you hear Jack saying that on a golf course with a yeah. cigar? Yeah, I probably heard that from him, you know, twenty times <laughs> over here. over my life without even without even realizing. I mean, it just it stands to reason. Uh-huh. And it's just the reality of how Nebraska has to recruit, and you've got to be really, you know, I, I don't know what the solution is because it, it's not one that comes easily, whatever it may be. Even if there is a solution, because you've got to go out and, and find the best possible players you can. And if that player happens to be in New Jersey or California, you know, so be it. You mm-hmm. kind of got to take your take your shot if you think that's the right player. But I think you also, you know, maybe the issue can, can, can be that if the conversation ends there, maybe it's not going that extra step where it's like, well, is there a similar player closer? Um, I just don't know how much the attrition piece of it comes into these recruiting decisions. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, real quick on football, an under-the-radar guy that I'm just wondering if you've heard anything more. It, it, it's, it's, I haven't heard a ton, but Nebraska's got this kid Mike Pauley coming in who's a dual-sport guy. He's baseball scholarship. Um, he's the number one rated catcher in Kansas. Huge kid. He's 6'5", 200-plus, um, pretty fast hits for power, really good baseball prospect. Um, and he's coming in to play for the for the baseball team. But he was also late in his career offered by Kansas and Kansas State as a as a quarterback. So and he's going to try to play both at Nebraska, it appears as well. 
Have you heard anything more about him? And do you see him as any sort of serious contender for Nebraska's quarterback room? I mean, it 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 seems that way. Well, he, he definitely had better odds, as as did every quarterback uh, set to be on Nebraska's roster before these these transfer additions. But he was a really intriguing kind of wild card in that regard because as you mentioned you know he, he had power five offers to to play quarterback um and, and nebraska he was just kind of slipped under the radar and was like oh yeah he's a baseball football guy this would be you know we'll see what happens um remarkable athlete you know i went back and watched some of his huddle clips and you know for a guy who's rated that highly in baseball you know it wasn't a surprise that you're getting what what you think you get with with an elite prospect no matter what the sport is so it's it's kind of an intriguing storyline i think he'll he'll get the opportunity obviously to start out there and and see what happens and you know stranger things have certainly happened i, I would be surprised if he was a, a huge factor right away, but if he if he sticks with it and sticks with football, I think it becomes a more serious option as we go along. Brandon Vogels with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, and, and Vogels, before we get you out here, we've got a few minutes left. I want to get your take on a topic that we spent a lot of time discussing yesterday, and, and what that is 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 which new assistant coach is going to be the most impactful in 2022 if the Huskers are going to have success. I mean, I feel like you can go a lot of different ways with this, and they're all important in, in their own right, but what, what, do you, who, what do you think? Who do you think is going to be the most important new assistant coach uh, coming into this Husker team in 2022? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, in in 2022, my leader for that title is probably Whipple because, you know, it's going to be an interesting challenge for Shenander with the defense. You know, as we talked about, they've kind of had steady improvement uh, year over year. And now, you know, you lose a good chunk of, of that defense. So there's going to be, there's going to be a little bit of a challenge there, but they were good enough even before you take out the special teams touchdowns and safeties and all the bizarre stuff that, that happened to Nebraska this year, we're still at about 22 points a game. So you've got some wiggle room, the biggest growth area for Nebraska. And it's been this way really since post 2018 is the offense has got to find a way to score more points consistently. And if Whipple can help them do that, and, and it doesn't even need to be like, well, they got to put more yards and have more explosive plays. It's like, no, they just got to find a way to be more efficient when they have opportunities to get points on the board. And his pit offense in 2021 did an excellent job at that. They were among the best in the country. Um, you can look at that various ways. But I think that's the biggest one in terms of the immediate impact in 2022. Uh, if, if Mark Whipple can help this offense produce points more efficiently, then Nebraska probably gets closer to what its actual ceiling has been, um, which has not reached, I don't think, in any year minus maybe 2018, and that's despite the record. Um, go beyond that, and I think Mickey Joseph isn't very far behind with the work that we're seeing. Well, his his proven history as a recruiter, um, but also kind of in-state angle, um, making some really early gains there. You get through 2022, everybody's happy. These changes, for the most part, uh, worked. If, if that's kind of the, the net result next season, then I think Mickey Joseph might end up being the kind of the biggest long-term upside for Nebraska. Vogues, we, we were all over Riola short-term because of how the offensive line needs to help whoever the quarterback is. 
The running game needs to be good, but there's got to be holes opened up. And Raiola needs to find, you know, seven dudes that can be better than last year, much better than last year. Uh, but to your point, long term, we're kind of Elijah and I are nodding our head about Mickey Joseph with the recruiting angle, the development, and just just how good he is. So you've gone through. We're going to let you. We're going to highlight your your work, your project, your passion here the, for the latest issue on Hale Varsity Magazine. You went through a ton of well every Big Ten game, man, and just lay it out for folks. Uh, can subscribe, hailvarsity.com, backslash subscribe, get the magazine, the digital, uh, wrap it all into one. But this is really cool. And Cranach, listen to this, because Vogues is, I mean, he's out of ink, bro. He he went all in on this. Yeah, so it really kind of started from a place of, like, uh, a lifetime of, of reading music reviews. Um, and I've, <laughs> I've always kind of wondered, like, what if, we, what if we reviewed these games as if, you know, they were a film or an album or whatever else you want to think about it. Not just sort of, so the football game itself is like, did Nebraska win? Yes. Then, okay, we're all happy. Did they lose? No, then we're all sad. Like, okay, <laughs> you're, we'll, we'll not totally remove that. We'll just kind of keep it in the back of our mind and like, look at these as individual kind of works. So, you know, if, if Nebraska, Wisconsin in, in 2012, the, the one time Nebraska has beaten Wisconsin, in, uh, in in Big Ten play was an album. How good was it? Um, so so I went there and I, I rated all of these games on a, a 0.0 to 10.0 scale, which it's totally you know subjective. It's totally like my opinion of of how good or not good these games were. But when you go through and then rate 129 different games, you have all of these numerical scores. Well, then you can start to kind of push the data around. And, and just see what happens. So ended up being a pretty fun project. You know, I wrote a little bit about it in, in previewing this issue on HaleVarsity.com if you want to read more about what this is like. But then you can break things out by opponent, like which, which opponent has produced the quote-unquote best games against Nebraska. And how did it go year by year? Does that kind of match up to, to how we remember these years? So it was, it was a pretty fun project to work on, and uh, hopefully people enjoy it. Well, Zach Taylor brought a game ball to a Cincinnati bar last Saturday night. Well documented. Our old friend Jay Moore uh, has some vintage Bengals gear to wear today. He paid for it. It was not gifted to him by his roommate, now head coach of Cincinnati. But Zach Taylor was not only stopped before he was allowed to enter the bar, he was carded. <laughs> Vogues, did you ever, just because you were the authority, did you ever did you ever card folks when you knew they were over 21? Just for the hell of it? Uh, <laughs> let's see. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I had, I have, I've had two bar stints in my life, one of which was in Hemingford, where oh, well, no, you, gener- you generally had a pretty good sense of where everyone was coming in. So it, it, we didn't have to do a lot of asking for ID. I did have, I did get thrown into uh, bouncer duty, which I was not at all prepared Ooh. for or capable of doing uh, at the bar I worked at in Boston for a little bit. Uh, 
because the Patriots were about to win, you know, one of their Super Bowls. I don't even remember which one. And they're like, we're going to get a flood of people at the bar. Get out there and check IDs. So I was pretty vigilant that night, but uh, it, it, was, it was pretty much chaos. Crane, can you imagine Vogue's? Did you have hair then, brother? No, no, I didn't. Oh, so well, I'm saying the 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 intimidation factor of a, of a uh, more aerodynamic Vogel asking for IDs. <laughs> In that Nebraska yeah, with the beard and mustache, yeah, that I mean, House of Pain look. Yes, yes. I mean, I think I think it it aided in your success rate. <laughs> the, the shaved head um, may have been the only kind of stereotypical, uh, I guess, bouncer feature I had at that moment. I needed about forty extra pounds of muscle though to, to really pull it off. I I I wouldn't I wouldn't give you any problems. Yeah, here, here's my ID. That's some tough duty. Patriots Super Bowl night with Fitzy and Sully and Sam Adams. And I mean, it, I'm sorry, but I mean, it, it, I'm sure it got crazy in a good way. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it was like midnight, too, because it was a Super Bowl on the East Coast. So it was, I spent the entire night behind the bar to that point. And they're like, we, we need people, we need people at the door uh, because it's just going to be crazy. So. No, we need to get more into the bartending slash uh, bouncing era of Brandon Vogel. It rivals uh, the 90s Nebraska football. Vogues, thanks so much, brother. Have a good weekend, okay? You too, guys. Thanks. There he is. How about that, Cranack? We, 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 we got our own bouncer and, and bartender. I know, and especially in Boston on a Super Bowl night. That's, that sounds like that a, wouldn't be the easiest duty. No. Sounds like a feature story in Hale Varsity Magazine. Oh, I, I think so. I think so. Well, we'll dive in. We'll hit some NFL uh, Chiefs insight from one iron horse, Gary Sharp. We'll get Gary's take in uh, just the last two weekends, how quickly fences can get mended on the home front recruiting-wise. Uh, that is a reality. And uh, some hoops thoughts. Gary Sharp's next, the Iron Horse. Hail Varsity continues weekend edition presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with your weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Get the podcast of Hail Varsity Radio, Good, Bad, or Ugly. We'll take a review. And can find us uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and, uh, of course, the on-demand ESPN, Lincoln.com, and uh, the Herdad Media uh, website. We welcome in the Iron Horse. It is Gary Sharp time. Sharpie, thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? We're good. We are good. We're going to go a little backwards first. We're going to start NFL and then get to some Nebraska. Level of concern tomorrow. And are you going? If yes, do you need a friend? <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm holding out for a Cincinnati upset and a Chiefs win tomorrow, so that they play another AFC Championship game at home. Uh, it's going to be tough. You know, the Bills have kind of they built. They spent a year building towards this moment to take down the Chiefs. You know, they beat them in the AFC Championship game last year. And, you know, Stephon Diggs stood on the field and watched the celebration, and they kind of built their roster to beat Kansas City, and they beat them earlier in the year. And you know, Kansas City's a much different team, especially offensively and defensively, from that game. And you know, both teams played really well last weekend. I think it's going to be a great game. It, it might be one of the best games of the playoffs, including the uh, Super Bowl. So 
we'll see. I, you know, I'm I'm confident in my team, but I, I know it's going to be a challenge because Buffalo's really, really good, and you know, there's a lot of things they do well that the Chiefs don't do well, and you, you never know about distractions. You got Willie Gay got arrested, and Eric Bieniemy is interviewing for the Broncos job. So mm-hmm. we'll see. It's going to be fun. It'll be a, a great time at uh, Arrowhead tomorrow. Hey, Gary, I've, I've followed the Chiefs casually. I know this much. They struggled <laughs> offensively early in the year. They're not struggling as much now. Why? What's been the difference? Well, they've uh, kind of simplified things. Instead of trying for the home run all the time, they're okay hitting single to the gap and stretching it to a double or hitting a triple and standing on third base. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, I think, like the Bills, when they had success, they forced a lot of turnovers. And the Chiefs had a lot of drops and a lot of turnovers kind of throughout the course of the season, but they've cut back on them, and that's helped them. But their defense has gotten a lot better. They're, they were a sieve on defense. And about midway through the year, they kind of turned the corner and, you know, you, you add a improved defense with Mahomes settling in, and you've gotten the result where the the Chiefs are back uh, in the postseason like this. But you know, it hasn't been it hasn't been kind of they they aren't the Chiefs that everybody is used to. But gosh, they're still a really really good football team. Sharpie, they are patient. They have committed to a run game. I know Clyde was dinged for a bit. He's back. Kansas City's been very impressive here the latter half of the year where they're good with putting together, what did I see, a 19-play drive, several 12-play drives. They're good at grinding some clock, man, at least once a half and putting that long, you know, slow-bleed touchdown drive together. And to your point about some singles and doubles versus always getting the home run, you're very worried about the home run. But, man, their, uh, their batting average has been good. Their, their shift has been well-executed. Yeah, and, you know, Mahomes is developing into a quarterback. I mean, he admitted it. And I, and I wonder at the beginning of the year, you know, he was battling an injury and had off-season surgery. And so his off-season wasn't as normal as it's been. And he's admitted that he's still learning to be a quarterback, and he was kind of playing on instinct. And he was running into some tough defenses that they were like, well, you know what, we're not just going to let him beat us with freelancing. We're going to have to – we're going to make him beat us with his mind. And he is he's evolved as the season has gone along. And you pair him with Andy Reid and – you, you get you get the typical Mahomes where he makes plays last weekend against Pittsburgh, and you go, oh, that's the guy. But they're going to need their trio to play well tomorrow. They're going to need not only the quarterback, but they're going to need their tight end, and they're going to need their talented wide receiver. And you mentioned Clyde Edwards. Alaire is supposed to be back as well. So I, I'm hoping, again, I think that's going to be a great game. I, I think it's going to be a great weekend of football. I mean, we're addicted to the NFL. Yeah. Last weekend, four of the six games, they weren't even close from the jump. And we've gone 19 straight playoff games without a fourth-quarter lead change. But we still watch. It's our addiction to the NFL. It's kind of the unifier. You know, we don't really have as much politics in the NFL anymore. It's more about the football. Uh, so we'll watch. And I think we're going to have two great back-to-back days of the NFL divisional round playoffs. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. A couple big-name guys, stalwarts, um, making their way back for this playoff run right now. Derrick Henry with the Titans, Levante David coming back for the Bucks. How much will that factor in for either of those teams? Do you expect them to be able to pick up where they left off? Had they been, you know, kind of careful with their return in anticipation of being able to come back and, and play at their previous levels? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, Derrick Henry is a big thing because when Derrick Henry went out, I mean, he was the king and he was going to run his way towards 2,000 yards. And their passing game really struggled. Now, they've got a trio themselves. You know, when you throw Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, and, and Ryan Tannehill, and Tannehill beats Derrick Henry. And I don't know how, how much they're going to rely on him today. Is he going to get 10 carries? Is he going to get 20 carries? But he definitely changes the mindset. And if they can run the football, Cincinnati lost two defensive tackles 
last uh, week. And, you know, even with what Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow and Chase and the rest of that offense with Joe Mixon in the backfield, they can dial up. Joe, uh, Derek Henry is going to be a chore. I will tell you the, the person who's returning from injury that I think might have the biggest impact this weekend is Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Cam Akers tore his ACL, and he's been out about six months. And for him to come back in the NFL and look as refreshed as he did the other night against Arizona, I think that's something to watch tomorrow. I mean, that's amazing. If I'm a doctor, I'm flying to Los Angeles and trying to figure out with the Rams doctors how they were able to get Akers back on the field in the NFL when he rips up his knee uh, earlier in the year and he's able to come back. So watch him tomorrow against the – Against the Buccaneers, if Acres is healthy and if he can run the ball, you know, as effective as he did against Arizona in a little bit of a limited capacity. Dude, Acres and Michelle as a one-two punch is is nuts. I mean, they, their their yeah. run game is is fantastic. So Sharpie, you got to switch gears to recruiting. Uh, you got Cam as a five-star running back that uh, you, you got. Uh, I think ESPN or Fox tweeted out. Maybe it was one of the recruiting services. Excuse me that that tweeted out. You know, five-star players in the playoffs. Uh, Bill Bush has got his fair share of uh, five-star talents, or guys got turned into five-star talents. Mickey Joseph's been uh, in your neighborhood up in the Metro the last uh, two Fridays. So my question is this: what What's realistic here about fence mending and getting back as a priority? Nebraska in coach. Mickey Joseph and even Bill Bush in the 500-mile radius will put the work in. But, Sharpie, how quickly can that turn? Does it have to happen on the field before uh, Nebraska can, can kind of get back its foothold in the Missouris, the Kansases, or even the, the Metro? Does it have to be on-field winning first, not just the relationship part? Well, there's a little bit of that. But the, the on-field stuff, you're absolutely right, because you have to give a kid a reason to commit to you. You know, I know I know a couple of prospects a couple of years ago in Omaha that did not select Nebraska right out of the gate. They went somewhere else, mm-hmm. but they were still, man, Nebraska, give me something. Give me a reason to consider, and that was more on the field, and it never changed. Now, in the situation with Mickey Joseph, it's well documented. We've all talked about it. Omaha's, or, well, Nebraska's had trouble in Omaha, mm-hmm. and I think reaching players at a different level and the messaging of, hey, you know, we had a run of success. Help us do it again. Well, a lot of those kids that live in the Omaha area, they might not be from Nebraska. They've moved here. So they're not familiar. Their parents aren't familiar with what happened in the 90s. And I noticed that their messaging has changed. And really, it's kind of Mickey Joseph. And good on Mickey Joseph. He's taken the lead to come into Omaha and go past 120th and center. Go to Omaha North. Go to Omaha Central. And he's essentially done this, guys. Back-to-back Fridays, he's been in Omaha. And he has said, and he's done this with, in Lincoln as well, with Malachi Coleman at Lincoln East, you're a good player. It's my job to accumulate as many good players as possible to help us win. Not, hey, help us run it back. You know what? Return Nebraska to where it was. It's just looking him in the face and saying, you're a good football player. I recruit good football players. I need you on my team, and I'm not going to let you go. And that kind of aggressive you know, savvy of Mickey Joseph and the relationship building, I think that message is going to resonate more. You know, it's not like Barrett Root is going to be pushed out of recruiting in Omaha, but that's a good one-two combo to have Barrett Root and Mickey Joseph. But Mickey's done his homework, guys. He has talked to plenty of former Huskers that live in the Omaha area about why Nebraska has not had success under Scott in Omaha. So he's done his homework, and he said, I'm not going to let this happen anymore as long as I'm at Nebraska. 
Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. All right, let's have some fun here. I'm going to take notes, Gary. It's pre-spring. We are so far away from uh, Nebraska playing in Ireland, hopefully. COVID willing. Yeah, uh, we, we've got our uh, our plane tickets already, Cranach, so that, that better yeah, freaking yeah. happen. You better, hey, I'm just telling you, you better hold on to those tickets. You might be asking for a refund. Uh, I'm, I'm going yeah, to look at flights here soon. There, supposedly <laughs> tickets are going to be going on sale pretty soon to the public also. Um, but we're, we're pretty far away from that. Nebraska has added so much, uh, so many different players to so many different positions. It's really hard to sit here and say, oh, this person's going to be the starter. Oh, this person's going to be the starter. So let's go with the two deep, Gary, and predictions. <laughs> Bear with me here. We don't have to spend a ton of time on each one because I want to get to quarterback, running back, receiver, and secondary. The top two quarterbacks for Nebraska come opening week are who? They will be, Casey Thompson will be the starter, and Logan Smothers will be the backup. Okay. All right. Let's go running back. Who are Nebraska? Who's in the two deep there? Uh, not ready yet because I think there's another running back or two on the way, and you're going to lose two after spring. No, but, that, that's, but that's Anthony, not an acceptable answer. I just asked the um, judges. We have to Anthony, ask who are Anthony the top Grant. two running backs opening week. Anthony Grant will be one of them. Okay. Who are the top and, two, Gary? <laughs> and the, the, other, the other running back, I would love to say Gabe Irvin, but I think Gabe Irvin's rehab is being pushed a little bit further, so I don't know that he's going to go through spring. I will say that uh, Ramirez Johnson. Okay. I couldn't hear that. But Sorry, that could was change that? because they're not done recruiting running backs. Ramirez Johnson That's what he said. Ramirez. Okay. Yes. Got yes. Top four receivers top four receivers bets manning are your top two uh then i will go with alante brown and will nixon so no trey palmer not yet to the opening day not yet but okay. but i think i think it's tough to say hey you're top four because i think nebraska will go about six or seven deep with wide receivers those other two being what? Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer will be one of those, and look out for Victor Jones. Yep, Vic's good. Victor Jones. Okay. All right. Last one here. Um, secondary. I, I look. Quentin Newsom. I think you can book him. I think that's yep. about the only one you can book right now. By so Farmer. By the way, Farmer. rounding out those the secondary. Buy stock in Mr. Newsom. What was that, Gary? Sorry. Uh, by stock in Mr. Newsom. He is, uh, he is going to be excellent. Yeah, he's so, so he's got one of those spots. Who? What about the other two safety? What about the two safety spots on the opposite corner? You know what? It's up in the air. Uh, the, you know, and you look at like the the recent addition of Morton, which is kind of interesting. Is he a body or is he a a prime candidate? I think you need to find a way to get Braxton Clark, Miles Farmer on the field. Uh, you know, there's a wild card in Noah Pulagates. I think Hill from Arizona State will find his way into the secondary. And then you don't recruit a guy like Jaden Gold, and he comes in and he doesn't go anywhere. I mean, I think that's somebody that could get on the field earlier than later. The one thing about Travis Fisher's room is there's a lot of intriguing parts that are back there. There's some that we've seen play before, so we kind of have a, a sense of where they're going. And then there's others like, man, you've got to have a good spring, like Noah Pulagates. 
where where are you at? You're, if you're healthy, let's see where you're at. So I think that is outside of Newsom. I think that is wide open at the other three, four positions that are going to play defensive back. But they're going to have they're going to have some definitely have some options. But I like Hill from Arizona State. That's okay. good. Uh... Got these. Uh... Got these written down. We will revisit in uh, <laughs> seven months. We will burn tape if uh, things go sideways over the summer with attrition. So don't worry about it, Sharpie. Okay, we'll we'll wrap with this. And we were talking to Vogues about this, about, about Zach Taylor getting carded. Um, at, at the bar, he brought the game ball to. Is that too good an urban legend, or do you believe it? Uh, I don't know. You know, he does. He still, gosh, doesn't he look? Kind of like he did when he was at Nebraska. Yeah, but he's, he's got kind of that yeah. that boyish young look. I mean, good on him. Um, and he still is, you know, he's still relatively young. Uh, so, you know, they. Uh, I don't. I think. I think yes, getting carded. But come on, man, he's the head coach of the Bengals. <laughs> he shows up in a Cincy jersey with a hat. He looked like a normal fan. He should have wore the headset in. I guess. Yes. Uh, but how, how great a story is that? You know, he's cool. had a great football life. Um, they win first playoff game in 31 years. He goes to a local bar. It's great for him. He hit the lottery with Joe Burrow. Uh, we'll see what happens today. But he's always going to be attached to, well, if they win, it's kind of Joe Burrow. If they lose, uh, it's Zach Taylor's uh, fault. But I'm happy for him. He's, a, he's, one of, he's one of the best people that Nebraska football has had in their program in the last 15 years or so, not only on the field but off the field. You just wish when he was at Nebraska he could have been here a lot longer. But you go from Norman, Oklahoma, where OU doesn't offer you, you go to Wake Forest, you go to a junior college, you come to Nebraska, you're Big 12 player of the year, you work for your father-in-law, Mike Sherman, you work your way up, you work for McVay, you get your opportunity, and now he's got a playoff victory. I'm happy for Zach and his family. Last thought, Sharpie, and it should have gone earlier with this, Gretna, and uh, that situation with the uh, the state championship, I know you addressed it on your show. Just uh, real quick insight, man. What's your reaction? Uh, not good. Not good. And then yesterday, on an official letterhead from the superintendent of Gretna calling out Westside and Westside responding, uh, it's, you know, it's not a good situation. There was really nothing the NSA could do. It's pretty cut and dry if it was a document that was missing or something that fell through the cracks. Uh, if you're not used to dealing with transfers and all of a sudden you have transfers, you got to make sure everything is taken care of. But to me, it seems like this was, uh, you know, a little bit of an agenda. I don't believe there was any malicious intent by Gretna, um, but there was somebody that was keeping receipts and they called Gretna on it, and Gretna has to vacate their state championship. You know, they could keep the medals, they got to get the trophy back. But we're still going to refer to Gretna as the state champion. Yeah. I mean, to me, they're the state champion. In 2021, um, I don't think Gretna and Westside are scheduled to play next fall, but I do know that Gretna and Papio South are scheduled to play in a district game. So watch that. That could be interesting because the young man who was mentioned in the report, which I think was wrong to publicly mention him because it's not his fault they lost the state championship, is he's only a junior, so he'll be back next year. It's not a good look for anybody involved. And the back and forth between Gretna and Westside, and Papio South is in the middle of it too, but they're not publicly mentioned by Gretna, is not a good look for anyone. But I don't think this is over, guys. I, I, I think this is probably going to, you know, there's probably going to be more schools that say, man, that May 1st transfer deadline or making sure we got everything buttoned up, um, that's got to be better uh, so we don't have these situations again. Sharpie, have a great weekend, buddy. Appreciate you much. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. 
And uh, we'll be back at it next uh, weekend. Maybe some Husker hoops to get into. It looks like Thursday may be uh, the day instead of the uh, the Tuesday set up with Wisconsin supposed to come to town, Nebraska on COVID protocol. Cranack, appreciate you much, man. Thanks for jumping on today. You as well, sir. All right. Good stuff, Elijah Herbal. Basketball tonight over on KFOR Southeast and Northeast. Enjoy your NFL Saturday.